All right. So uh, this morning, uh, we begin a three-part series uh, beginning to flesh out our new Trinity Alliance vision statement. Now, this uh, vision statement, uh, we've been working on it as the elders and Pastor Bob and I for about a year now, and uh, just discerning and seeking the Lord in it and desiring to know where he's leading us and and what is the next steps for us? What is the focus that he wants us as a church to be focused on? And it's been, uh, it's been a good journey, but it's been a long time coming. And, uh, and maybe you probably not. You know, I'm kind of a little bit of an administration freak, you know, and so I get excited about these kind of things, right? And excited about new beginnings, excited about change, excited about uh, the fact that we finally have kind of come to this point where we get to begin to launch into something different and something new and see what God has for us in it. Um, but uh, so it, it's, it's a, been a long time coming, and I'm excited to be where we're at. But uh, there's this reality that I think uh, some of us and even some of our elders brought this up early in the process uh, of, you know, what is, you know, why are we even doing this? I mean, what's the big deal about having a vision? And, and really that perspective comes from what we probably have all experienced is that everywhere, every company, every business that we work for or interact with, every church we've ever been in has a vision statement. Right? It's just we're, we're surrounded by it, and it's just, it becomes something that is just kind of there, right? And I know uh, the grocery business that I worked in for 17 years, they, they always had a vision statement, but it, it always seemed to change like every two years. And it was kind of like, what's the point? We didn't even have time to really live into the vision statement. And they would be all excited, and they spent all this time to train us on this new vision and creating this excitement about it. And then, you know, we'd launch it. And then literally, you know, uh, six months later, nobody remembered what it was about. And, you know, it just kind of like, you know, just fell away. And so then they'd try to do it again two years later. Oh, it's, we've got a new vision. We're going to go this way now. And, get all, and so I think some of us are just visioned out, Right? It was just like, yeah, yeah, okay, we've been down this. We've heard this before. What's the big deal? Visions are, they really don't make a difference. And so the elders that brought that up, they were tapping into a reality in our culture, a reality in, in American culture that we are so focused on this vision thing and we've used it so much and everybody knows we have to have it, but we've abused it. And we've done that in the church as well. And, and the reality is that vision statements oftentimes don't make a difference. They're really just kind of pointless. And you go and you spend a year working on it, coming up with all this terminology, and then six months down the road, it, you know, it's gone. It never made a difference. And maybe, yeah, it's still on your, on your, uh, you know, your, your print somewhere and your bulletins, but it didn't make a difference. And, and so let me just say at the start that, uh, that I think part of that is the way that we look at visions, but part of it, I think, is our follow-through and, and we recognize as leaders that our, our job is not just to cast new vision, but it's also to help us to remain focused on that vision. That, that vision statements only have power and effectiveness as God, first of all, empowers them, and second of all, as we follow him into that. And so as we walk through this, I wanted to start with kind of, you know, just to remind ourselves, is what is the purpose of a vision? What's the purpose of having a vision statement? And, and there's three things that I want to identify. First of all, is that a, a vision defines our identity. It, it tells us who we are. It, it labels us in a sense. It, it's a way for us to say, this is Trinity Alliance Church by you know, quoting or, or, or talking or, or, or sharing our vision statement. 
It, it's meant to, to identify us. We, we all have labels, right? And we live into that. I, I, I remembered a, a label of my, my mom when I was a kid uh, talking about how tough I was and how strong I was, you know, and this kind of thing, right? And, you know, as a little kid, you know, you're like, oh, man, that's cool. But, but I, it was amazing how that impacted me. I mean, I probably wasn't really tough. Matter of fact, I think I was pretty much pretty wimpy. But uh, I tried to live like that. It, that label changed me. And I, and I was like, oh, I am tough. And so when I'd get hurt, I'd, I'm not going to cry. I'm tough. You know, I can do this, you know, kind of thing, right? And so labels make a difference. Our identity makes a difference. And so as we cast vision, we recognize that we are casting identity. We are saying this is who we are. This is who God is calling us to be. And we need to walk into that, and we're hoping that that will inspire and encourage us as we think about that label and that we would want to live that out. Also, purpose of a vision is to define our methodology, how, how we're going to interact. How, how are we going to be what God has called us to be? Because it's not just about being, you know, you know, this identity, this person, but it's also about how we're that person. And, and this defines how we interact together. It defines how we, you know, what, what are the rules of engagement for us as a church? What are the things that are going to, you know, I, uh, that we're going to be known for? And so how, how our atmosphere is here in this church. So it, so it identifies or defines us well methodology. And finally, it defines our direction. Where is God calling us? It defines where we're headed. It defines what we're going to do and what we're going to be about and where we're going to go. Because God wants to call us into that as well. That it's not just about being, it's not just about how we're doing it, but it's also where we're doing it. Next, I, I want to take a moment to talk about the value of a vision. So if, if the purpose of the vision is these things, identity, methodology, and direction. But what's the value of that? Why is that valuable? There's some value in that. First of all, a, a vision gives us a common language. And this is huge. Uh, Bob likes to say this. He says it all, all the time to me. He says, Sean, you know, I'll tell him, you know, you know, you are awesome. And he says to me, what do you mean by awesome? And I go, what do you mean what I mean by awesome? I mean awesome. And he says, well, Sean, you know, there's 4.3 definitions per word. So uh, how do I know which awesome you're talking about, right? And, but it's true, right? The English language is just filled with all this chaos of definition. And of course, in our culture, we have a culture right now which is in deconstruction mode. And so they're redefining stuff all of the time. So the vision, the value of a vision statement is it helps, it gives us a language which helps us to communicate better together. So that when I use a word like enjoyment, you may be thinking right now in your mind of what that means to you. And it may be very different than what I mean by enjoyment. And so as we flesh this out, the point is to figure out what do I mean, what do we mean as a leadership, what do we mean as a church about enjoyment. And as we understand that, once we know what the definition is we're using, now I can throw out the word enjoyment and we all know exactly what I'm talking about. So the value of a vision statement is it gives us a common language which will help with our communication. But it also gives us a common perspective which will help with our community. It gives us a, a perspective of what we're doing and how we're doing it and why we're doing it. It gives us a, a common perspective that will define and uh, give us guidelines for how we do church. And, and, and it's not that we want everyone to think the same. It's not that we expect everyone to have the same experience. There's going to be a great diversity in how we, you know, function individually within this structure or this vision. 
But we need to all have the same perspective of what that vision is and what it's about and what we're trying to accomplish. Finally, the value is that it gives us a common goal. It helps us to be more effective. You know, it's, it's like a, a, if you have, a, you know, a really heavy rock and you want to move it, right? You can tie a bunch of ropes around that rock and have 50 people come and they're all going to pull to move this rock, but they're all pulling in different directions. Is the rock going to move? No, right? I mean, if I'm pulling this way, that guy's pulling that way, that, that big, huge boulder is going to stay there. But if we all can get in moving and pulling in the same direction, then we can be more effective in moving that rock. And so this is part of vision, is that we would all have the com- a common goal that we're all striving for, that we're all pulling in the same direction, that we would all be able to be more effective and have a greater impact, in essence, in this world and in our lives with each other. So this is the purpose and this is the, vi- the value of vision. This is why we do the work for a year to come up with this. Because we see the realities of this. Now again, I, we have to keep focused on it. Not only do we need to flesh out what we mean by this, but we also need to keep focused on it in the future. Not just six months down the road, not just a year down the road, but three, four, five, ten years down the road, as long as God has got us this our vision, that we would continue to make that for, first and foremost in our minds and what we're trying to accomplish, always looking to the vision for what God has called us to. Now I want to, uh, because of where, we're, where our vision is landing and where God has led us in our vision, I, I feel like it's necessary for me to spend at least a little bit of time talking about the current uh, typical perspective, typical uh, vision statements that we find in our American churches today. They, they usually focus on uh, one of two, maybe both of these things. The first thing that they focus on or the perspective that they bring is that we as Christians are far from God and we need to get closer to him. And so the idea is that, uh, you know, that, that, that the vision statement is how we can grow closer to God, how we can get closer to God, how his people can be closer to God. The perspective is that I am here and God is over there. I'm a Christian I'm here as a Christian, I I give my life to Christ, but I start here, and God is over there, and I need to work my way towards Him. And the way then that I do that, the way to get closer to Him, is through sanctification. And sanctification is about becoming more righteous, about becoming more holy, to actually live out that holiness. And so what happens with these perspectives in most churches today is that they focus on behavior management. They focus on what we are doing on the outside. Am I spending enough time in the Bible? Am I spending enough time in prayer? Am I spending enough time at church and doing ministry? Am I spending enough time on mission and evangelism? Am I spending enough time on getting to know God? Am I spending enough time? So it's all based on what we are doing and the activities that we're involved in. And usually these churches will come up with certain skills or certain talents or certain, not not, not necessarily skills, but certain activities that we could be a part of. That if you do this, if you do this discipleship program, if you go through these Bible studies, those will help to change your your behaviors. Those will help to change your perspective. Those will help to draw you closer to God. The the equation, I thought it would be helpful to put together an equation uh, of this perspective. Uh, This perspective of sanctification uh, is that it starts with better behavior, which then equals closeness to God, 
which then equals success of the vision, success of Christianity, success of what we're looking for. But there's some problems with this typical perspective. First of all, it oftentimes, and we've seen it in our churches, encourages legalism. It encourages the perspective that I can earn God's favor. It encourages the perspective that, you know, once I become a Christian, that I still have a lot of work to do. That I I got a little bit of Jesus, I got a little bit of the Spirit, but there's so much more that I can have. And if I just do the right things, if I just uh, change my behaviors and change my perspectives, then I will get closer to God, and as I get closer to God, I'll have more of Jesus, and I'll have more of the Spirit. a legalistic perspective. The other danger is that it creates a hierarchy of spirituality. It's like it creates this mountain of sanctification, a mountain of discipleship, where God is at the top of the mountain and we're all started at the bottom of the mountain. Now, when we become a Christian, we kind of take our first step onto the mountain. But then the rest of our life, until we get to eternity, is to climb as far up the mountain as we can. Now the challenge with this is that we look up and we can see those who are ahead of us in the mountain. And we oftentimes go, wow, look at them. They're they're way up there. They're amazing. I I can't believe how spiritual they are. I can't believe how holy they are. Oh man, I wish I could be. Oh, I'll never be. I can never do that. The other problem with the mountain is that we can also turn around and go, oh, wow, at least I'm not down there. And so it creates this spiritual hierarchy within our churches, where we're not measuring ourselves based on Jesus and our relationship with God, but we're measuring ourselves based on each other. The other perspective within uh, our typical churches is the idea of growth and impact, growth of impact and influence. The the idea that vision statements should be about how, how we're going to increase our impact, how we're going to increase our influence, not just in our church, not just in our community, but in the world. You know, how many times I've heard as a youth pastor, when I was a youth pastor for 20 years, kids that would come up to me and they just got to know Jesus. So they went to some amazing uh, retreat and they come back and they go, I just want to do something great for Jesus. I just want to have this huge impact for Jesus and bring everybody to God. And Jesus is just standing there going, no, I just want you to be with me. But this is how we pattern our churches as well. And so often our vision statements are focused on the impact and influence that we can have, that, that we would create this greater impact. And again, the way to do that is through doing certain strategies, doing certain behaviors. If you develop a certain skill, then the skills that we need for impact, then you will be able to have greater impact. If you have greater impact, then you're going to be earning more favor from God, and he's going to continue to add to your numbers. The equation, the sanctification equation, in this perspective, starts with more influence. And then that more influence equals faithfulness to God. And the faithfulness to God then equals success. We've, we've done our job. We've, we've accomplished the vision. We've become a successful Christian. Again, there's problems with this perspective. First of all, it encourages triumphalism. It, it encourages the mindset that One, my life personally, because I'm a Christian, is going to be better than it was before I became a Christian. That God only has greater and better and bigger things for me. 
But as corporately, when we talk about it as a church, it's the same perspective of the church, a triumphalistic perspective of church, that, that we're going to continue to grow as a church, and if we're not growing and there's not more people coming in the door, then somehow, you know, we're, we've done something wrong, because God always causes his church to grow numerically, that there's always going to be more salvations if you're doing his will, that there's always going to be more baptisms if you're doing his will. If you're doing the right things, then there's always going to be more, greater impact, greater influence. This is a triumphalistic perspective. Oh, and it's totally defeated if we just simply look at the life of Jesus. Jesus died on a cross. That's what God led him to. Do we see that as a success? Now, we reap the benefits of that success, but we never think that maybe God would be calling us to that kind of life of sacrifice as well. Second, it creates an hom- a homogeny in the church. And what I mean by this is that when churches create the strategy of impact and influence, they're going to reach the homeless. They're going to have an impact there. They're going to reach the college students, and and they're going to have an impact there. And they're going to reach this particular area. And so what it does is people that have the skills and the abilities to reach out to the homeless, the people that have the heart and the passion to reach out to the homeless, or the ones who have the skills and the ability and the passion and the heart to reach out to college students, flock to that church. Because at that church, they can feel successful. They're heroes. Because their natural abilities are accepted there and are championed there. At the same time, those who are in the church, when that vision comes about, who don't have those skills, don't have those passions, they feel like they're losers. They feel like they can't be successful. They begin to feel guilty and shame. And oftentimes, if they stay in the church, they will just continue with that guilt and shame, or they'll oftentimes go to just another church. And so you get that people leaving, and you get people coming, and so now you have a church that's filled with a bunch of people who all have a heart for the lost, or uh, for the homeless, or they all have a heart for college students. Become a homogenous group, and as I said a couple weeks ago, true unity only comes through diversity. The question that we have to, I, I, I heard a story about a church um, that was struggling. It had, been a, it had been around for 50 years, struggling. It was, uh, only, you know, maybe about 30, 40 people left. And so uh, one of the, the district leadership came in and said, hey, we're going to come in. We're going to kind of, you know, kind of redo this church a little bit, and we're going to try to relaunch it as a, as a new church. And, and they asked the people that were there, which most of them are older elderly people because they'd been in the church for 50 years and they said oh, yeah well, we'd love to partner with you thanks for coming in. we want some new life and this kind of stuff and so they came in and so the the the, the, the district brought in the leadership brought in to a new pastor and the pastor came in with a vision and the vision was for the homeless it was for the inner city people and the vision didn't include the 30 people that had been in the church the 30 people that now, don't get me wrong, maybe those people needed to expand their vision of who God wanted them to be and where he wanted them to be in ministry. But the question is, if we have a ministry that's just focused on the homeless, where do the other people fit in that don't have that, that God hasn't given them that passion? If we have a ministry, a church that's focused just on college students, where do, we, where do the older folks, the elderly, there's no vision for them? I think we have too often narrowed our vision down so that it's so 
exclusive, that only a certain group of people can fit into that, which then leads to other Christians who don't fit that feeling guilt and shame, and those who happen to have that focus feeling pride and arrogance. Now, I want to be clear at, after saying all of this that, that God is using and has used these vision statements, these perspectives on vision. I, I'm not throwing it all out and saying it's all bad. God has used it, and it's been a great thing. It's been a powerful thing. And I'm not even saying that it's less good than what I think I'm going to offer. I'm just saying that it is something that we need to recognize has been what our church, what churches have been focused on for decades now in America. And we have missed the fact that there are real issues with that perspective. We haven't worked hard enough to be able to uh, uh, nullify the problems that come with that. I want to draw out these other perspectives because I want to use it as a contrast to what I feel like and what our elders feel like God is calling us to. Because we feel like God is calling us to actually try to pull the pendulum back a little bit from the extreme of just being a church that's about doing and instead being a church that's about relationship with God first and foremost. You know, these typical perspectives are really based so much in the Great Commission. And really the perspective, I've heard, I believe this, I've walked this, I've been in churches, I've, I've supported this. The Great Commission is what it's all about. This is what we are called to do as Christians. The moment we become a Christian, we are supposed to be on, on this mission for Jesus, with Jesus, to go and to bring everyone in the world to him, to make disciples of all nations. And so this is the, the perspective that draws out this vision in our churches. And it's good, but I don't think that's really what God first and foremost called us to. I mean, I mean, even look at the passage. This next, the power of the Spirit. I got all these passages that are listed on the board. I'm going to go through them really quickly. But Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is the Great Commission. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. Right? Okay? But what we skip over is what happens at the end of that passage in verse 20 where it says, Jesus says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus didn't say, Go and complete the Great Commission. I'll be back here waiting for you when you're done. He said, I am the one who is going to complete my mission. You are to come with me as I do so. It's not about us doing it on our own. It's about doing it with Jesus. Matthew Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, when Jesus called his first disciples, he said to them, follow me. And then he said, and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, follow me and do these skills, develop these skills, do these practices, and then you'll be fishers of men. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Throughout the New Testament, we have a focus on the Spirit. Acts 1.5, right? This is where Jesus is about ready to, to, to ascend to heaven and his last words to his disciples. First of all, he tells them, wait. Wait for the promise, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on in verse 8, says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will go to Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So again, it's not about them going out. He says, no, no, wait, wait. Get the Spirit. Once you have the Spirit, then He will lead you into that. 
It goes on in Romans 8, 6. Uh, Paul is writing, he says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. And this is what we so often do. We focus on our behaviors. We focus on the flesh. I just want to change my life. I just want to live more righteously. I want to be more holy. I want God to be more happy with me because I'm living righteously. And so we focus on our behaviors. The spiritual disciplines are about changing my behaviors to make me more disciplined so that, so that I can, a spiritual, yeah, discipline, so that I can live out the spiritual things that I want to live out. But Paul goes on and says, for to set your mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. God doesn't call us to focus after we become a Christian on our life and, and trying, to, trying to make ourselves more righteous. He says, no, no, focus on me. Focus on my spirit and then my spirit will work through you and make you more righteous. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, no longer, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not about me changing my behaviors. It's about the Holy Spirit working in our lives to change my behaviors. Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 25, it's the, the, the fruit of the Spirit passage. At the end of that, he says, if we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. But so often we, with these typical vision statements, we look, we look at, okay, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, selfness, uh, all those, you know? Anyway, and, 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 and we go, oh, I want to be more loving. It says fruit of the Spirit is more loving. And so I work on disciplining myself to be more loving. I work on being, experiencing more joy and work on that. I, I want to be more joyful. And so we try to change our behavior but it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not something we do under our own power. It's not something that we do under our own control, our own discipline. It's what the Spirit does in us when we focus on Him. Philippians 1, He who began a work in you, He's going to complete it. Philippians 2, 12 to 13. We need to work out our salvation. We have a role to play in it, but it's God who works in us to bring about that change. So it is these verses and this perspective that causes us to come where we're at as elders to shifting the paradigm. We, want, we, wanna, we just feel like God is leading us to do things upside down from what the way the church has been doing it for decades now. We believe, that first and foremost, the mission that God has for us. This is the call. This is the success of Christianity. Is found in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. To love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love others as you love yourself. Love God and love others. That is the mission. Well, that's, that's the purpose. That's what God's called us to. That's what success is. That's what he's drawing us into. That, that that would be the focal point in, in, our, in our vision statement as we've laid it out. The mission is that, the, the love God and love others. That's what we're called to do. When we are loving God, we're doing his will. When we're loving others, we're doing his will. But understand, it's loving God first, then out of that comes loving others. So what we want to communicate and clearly communicate is that we, in our vision statement, we are saying that we already are successful. The moment we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, the moment we repent of our sin, the moment we say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you wherever, we are successful. 
We have restored the relationship with God. And it is not that I am here at the moment of salvation and God is somewhere over there and I have to work my way to get closer to him. No, 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 no. God is right next to me. I have all of that relationship. I preached about this in a series last fall, the Garden series. And we're talking about the reality that we get all of it. The moment we bow our knee, we have that perfect relationship with God. We have all of the Spirit. It's, it's all of our, we don't get a portion of it. We don't just get a little bit of Jesus, and if, if we work it out, then all of a sudden we'll get more. We have all of it the moment we bow our knee to him. And so we're already successful. This is the thing that we want to understand. We're not striving to get God. We're not trying to find God. We already have him. We're not striving to receive more of the Spirit. We already have the Spirit in all of him. Another conviction is that love is the great motivator. Love is the true transformer of life. I wrote about it in our What's Brewing article on Friday. If you get that, great, and you read it, great. Can you get an idea where I'm headed with this? But the idea is that we so often think, well, it's through self-discipline that I will be able to uh, live more righteously and then as a result be able to experience more of that relationship with God. Now, this is true, and self-discipline does have some uh, some rewards in it. We can change our behaviors from that, but understand this, that those changed behaviors are only limited. They won't last for all eternity. When it really comes down to push and shove, when we really have to make a decision, we will always go back to that which we love, that which we're most passionate about. Love is the great motivator. And so we want to really see our life changed. If we really want to live more righteously and experience that righteousness, the way we do that is from developing that love relationship with God. To fall deeper in love with Him. To understand more fully His love for us. I think there are so many Christians in America today and probably so too many Christians in this room that have never experienced true, intimate love of God in their life. They, they're just going through the motions. They just have a religiosity that's focused on self-discipline and doing right behavior so that God will be happy with me and I'll feel like I'm a better Christian. Instead of sitting in the lap of our Father, feeling His arms around us, whispering how much He loves us in our ear. And knowing that because of that love I want to love him in return that motivates me oh you love me so much you've done so much for me how can I help you how can I love you back I want to show you my love it's not fear of judgment that will bring transformation it's not our self-discipline that will bring true transformation it is God's love All right, move down to the last point, our vision. So uh, just going to spend a little bit of time here because we're going to flesh out in the next couple of weeks more fully what this is. So first of all, um, the opening statement of our vision, and it's in your sermon notes if you have it. If you don't have a copy, either, I think there's a couple extra left in the back you can grab. Um, but in, it, that lays out the whole vision statement. But here is the first opening statement, and this is kind of the slogan. We are fully enjoying our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I want to draw out two things about that statement. First of all, 
it's focused on relationship. It's focused on relationship with Jesus. See, so often, so many of our vision statements today just focus on the doing part, the mission part, the going out and, and doing an active and influence and impact and changing. And they just assume the relationship. But when we understand that loving God and loving others is the point, we understand that that's what we're called to, then we go, wait a second, shouldn't we focus on that? Shouldn't we just assume that? We shouldn't probably just assume that. And so that's what we want to do here is we want to, first of all, focus on the relationship with Jesus. That we as a church would first and foremost be concerned about developing that relationship with Jesus. We'd be learning and developing and experiencing more of his love for us and that we would learn and develop and be able to share more love to him. That that would be the focal point of our church is Jesus in that relationship with him, not on what mission we're going to accomplish, not how many numbers we can get in the room, not how many salvations we can bring, not how many baptisms we can have, but simply focused on Jesus and his love for us and our love back to him. The reality of this is that this is what we're all called to. See, this vision is wide open because not only is it open for all of us, this is what we're all called to, but all can do it. All of us have the ability within us because we have the Spirit to have that relationship with God and to develop that and enjoy that. And so this is for everyone. We're not excluding anybody. It doesn't matter what your experience is. It doesn't matter what your talents are. It doesn't matter how you interact with God or how you interact in this world or what your job is. It doesn't matter you know, what your passion is. All that matters is that we all are in relationship with Jesus. That's the starting point. And when we focus on Jesus, here's what we believe. This is our conviction. That it will draw us together. If we focus individually on Jesus, we will be drawn into greater unity as a church. We will be drawn into greater unity and relationship with each other in this church. We will love each other better. And we also are convicted that it will also launch us into ministry. If we're all focused on Jesus and that relationship, he will motivate us to go into the world. He will love us by loving us into the world. He will call us to join him where he's already at work. So first of all, it's a focus on relationships. Second of all, it's a focus on enjoying what we already have. Again, I kind of already went through this, but I want to just reiterate. It's not about, this vision statement is not about us trying to get closer to God. The developing the relationship piece is not saying we need to, we need to you know, uh, learn more about God so that we can understand God. So that, I mean, those are true. But the point is not that we're a linear thing, that we're starting here and we're trying to get over there. The point is that he is already here with us, and we want to enjoy all of that relationship that we already have. So it is not about us trying to get closer to God, but it's about being more aware of his presence already. He is right next to us. I don't need to get closer to him. I can't get any closer. Now it's about enjoying what we have, enjoying that relationship. It's not about trying to earn his favor. It's about trying to be more aware of how he's already blessed us. That we would be able to experience more fully that blessing. 
because he's already blessed us like crazy. So often we're, this is us petty Christians, right? We just skip right over the cross, become a Christian, we're all excited about that. And then, you know, a couple years later, we're like, oh God, why are you making my life so miserable? You never do anything for me. I just want this thing. If you just give me this one thing. But wait a second, what has he already done for us? So it's about enjoying what we already have. And we will experience new blessings. We experience blessings every day. We just don't see them. And so the focus is that we, this is what their point is, that we focus on that relationship, we will then be able to enjoy more fully the presence of God that's there, enjoy more fully this blessings that we've already received from him and continue to receive from him. And it's not about trying to do his work, it's about joining him in what he's already doing. And when we're in relationship with him, we can see where he's already at work. And it's not about me saying, okay, okay great to hang, hang out with you, Jesus, but I got to go do some ministry for you. I got some people to bring to Christ. I'll be back. No, it's about hanging out with Jesus and loving him and him loving us. And, and then as we're doing that, he says, hey, let's look at this person over here. Laura's really sinful and she needs some help. <laughs> and so we go with him into that, right? And so it's, it's about enjoying working with him and recognizing where he's already at work. All right, worship team, why don't you come up and uh, just kind of conclude with a couple of thoughts on the, there's three statements that we got the slogan. I've kind of unpacked that a little bit. Next week we'll unpack more, but uh, then there's three statements under that. And so that we're going to really dive, dive into next week and look at those three statements and what they mean and all that. But understand that those three statements are, are not really ways that we accomplish the fully enjoying. It's, it's not like you do those things and then you'll have that. We already have that. Those three things under that are where we experience that. It's the context within that we will enjoy Jesus, that relationship we have with Jesus. And the context starts with, first of all, uh, uh, you know, our relationship again with God, that we would rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, God's word and prayer. And we're going to unpack that by talking about the fact that God speaks to us. He is actively speaking to us. And we need to be aware of that. So many of us are, are deaf to what God is saying because we don't think that he talks. We don't think he's, he's interacting with us. And so we need to recognize that we have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, God's word and prayer. And as we do that, we will enjoy more fully that relationship. Second is the relationship with our church, that we will journey in life with our church family in honesty and humility. Again, that it's out of that relationship that we will find this enjoyment. We'll find this deepening love for one another. We'll find this deepening honesty and humility with one another. And then finally, that third relationship is with our neighbors, that we are engaging our neighbor with God's love and authentic and caring relationship. Again, that comes out of that relationship as we understand and interact with God in that loving relationship. As we enjoy that, one of the areas where we will enjoy that relationship is engaging with the lost. This is where we're going. I'm excited to see what God's going to do with it. I have no idea, though, what the ramifications are going to be. But me and the elders are convinced, we're convicted that this is what God has for us. And so we ask you to continue to listen and engage as we flesh this out the next couple of weeks and the next several months. And that we just journey together to see where God is going to lead us and what he's going to do through this vision, through this deepening of our relationship and an understanding of who he is and what he has for us and how his love is expressed in our life. Amen? Let's stand and close the service with a couple of songs.